0: If you're in Proverbs 9, say amen. Amen. Now let me say this. Um, This is going to be the last message I preach out of Proverbs for a while. Um, I originally intended to preach four chapters, but I I felt like we needed to continue on. This is a great place to stop, and here's why. Because the proverbial literature or writing style of Solomon actually begins in chapter 10. And so everything before this has, has been lectures... That he's trying to get his son to listen to and buy into so that when he starts speaking the Proverbs, him and some other authors, chapters 10-31, through 31, his son will be on the edge of his seat ready to become wise. So everything we've done up to this point is really not the Proverbs. It's leading up to the Proverbs. It's creating buy-in for the Proverbs. So this is a perfect time to start because the preaching style of chapters 10-31 is drastically different. There will be some sermons that are just one verse, whereas in this last one, I've preached whole chapters at a time because I've preached entire lectures. And so this is a great place to start. I am going to start a series called The Thriving Church, and we're going to study the epistle of 1 Thessalonians, which I feel was a model church. Even Paul called them a model church. They, They was a thriving church. They were a thriving church in a hostile world. And really, I'm going to preach 1 Thessalonians more for my benefit as somebody that is praying and seeking the Lord to become a pastor in the very near future, uh, Paul writes with much pastoral concern to the church of Thessalonica. And so this is going to teach me, it's going to challenge me, it's going to help me, it's going to prepare me to be what I need to be for this body of Christ. But on top of that, it's going to challenge our church to be what you need to be and what we need to be in a hostile world, we can thrive, and I believe we are thriving, by the way, and I want to continue to thrive, and so pray with me as I begin to study for that series, which will begin next Sunday night, and I haven't really had an opportunity either to, uh, to preach since uh, the church um, voted on Vision Night, um, and so I'm, I'm not going to say a lot other than thank you so much. Sincerely, thank you. Um, for entrusting my wife and myself and my son uh, to lead this church and to pastor this church. And I've got so much more in my heart that I want to say this really isn't the night to say it. I just want you to know I haven't overlooked uh, what you chose to do Um, on our behalf and on behalf of this church. A unanimous vote exceeded our expectations, but it also confirmed that God wants us in this place. And so we're very thankful for your support and uh, for... that you share our pastor's vision of the transition. And I know in a lot of ways to, to, to watch our pastor and, and my mom step down, who I know you love deeply, is, is, is hard and will be hard in some ways. Um, but we're going to make sure, church, we're going to make sure that on August the 2nd, we honor them in a big-time way. And we're going we're gonna to have a big day on Transition Sunday and frankly, it's not going to be anything about Jenny Lee and Tyler Prater and Kevin. It's going to be trying to honor the man and the woman that God has used for the last 20 years to pastor this church in a, in a very effective way. And I'm looking forward to introducing you some of what's going to take place on that weekend. Proverbs chapter 9, and we're going to preach verse 13 through 18 tonight. The Bible says, A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knoweth nothing. For she sitteth at the door of her house, on a seat in the high places of the city, to call passengers who go right on their way. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. And As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he knoweth not that the dead are there, and that her guests are in the depths of hell. It's been several weeks since we preached on verses 1 through 12, but Proverbs 9 Is Solomon's last lecture to his son to buy into wisdom. And really what he did was he used the metaphor of food and a banquet. And and, and we even titled uh, the first part of, of Proverbs 9, Wisdom's Feast. And we talked about how the lady wisdom is putting out a spread... For all who know they need wisdom, especially for the simple who are on the verge of choosing either wisdom or foolishness. She cries out and she has a spread. She has uh, got mingled wine and she's got slaughtered meat. And and, and it's it's like a royal treat to sit at Lady Wisdom's table. And we discovered that, that Solomon taught his son that the type of person that says yes to her invitation is number one the kind of person that receives rebuke. And instruction and correction with wisdom and doesn't scorn it and number two the kind of person that has a growing relationship in the fear of God but Proverbs 9 doesn't end there it's a it's a proverb of comparison and so now in verses 13 through 18 he doesn't talk about wisdom's feast and lady wisdom's table he talks about Folly's fast food it's not original with me that idea of labeling the text in that way, I can contribute to a pastor of Southwest Baptist Church, one of my favorite preachers, Jason Gaddis, who will be one of our preachers for the Amen Conference. He'll also be preaching the next Sunday here at Fellowship. It's going to be a wonderful day. I think it's March 15th that he's going to preach here. You won't want to miss that Sunday. He is a phenomenal preacher of God's Word. That's how he labeled Proverbs 9. I couldn't find a better way to label it. So the title of the message is Follies Fast Food. In 2001, Eric Slauser released his New York Times best-selling book called Fast Food Nation, The Dark Side of the All-American Meal. He said it's a behind-the-scenes look at the fast food industry in America. Now, I'm going to warn you that this is not a sermon against fast food, but a change in your diet may be the result. Because I'm going to... Read to you this quote, and it's from the introduction of his books, and it's all I needed. I closed the book, and I threw it away. I wasn't impressed at all, because I like my fast food, right? But this might open your eyes. Check this out. It'll all be on the screen for you. Over the last three decades, fast food has infiltrated every nook and cranny of American society. An industry that began with a handful of modest hot dog and hamburger stands in Southern California has spread to every corner of the nation, selling a broad range of foods wherever paying customers may be found. Fast food is now served at restaurants and drive throughs, at stadiums, airports, zoos, high schools, elementary schools, and universities, on cruise ships, trains, and airplanes, at Kmarts, Walmarts, gas stations, and even at hospital cafeterias. In 1970, Americans spent about $6 billion on fast food. In 2000, they spent more than $110 billion. Americans now spend more money on fast food than on higher education, personal computers, computer software, or new cars. They spend more on fast food than on movies, books, magazines, newspapers, videos, and recorded music combined. The extraordinary growth of the fast food industry has been driven by fundamental changes in American society. A generation ago, three-quarters of the money used to buy food in the United States was spent to prepare meals at home. Today, about half the money used to buy food is spent at restaurants, mainly at fast food restaurants. Hundreds of millions of people buy fast food every day without giving it much thought. Unaware of the subtle, and not-so-subtle ramifications of their purchases. They rarely consider where this food came from, how it was made, what it is doing to the community around them. They just grab their tray off the counter, find a table, take a seat, unwrap the paper, and dig in. The whole experience is transitory and soon forgotten. He said, I've written this book out of a belief that people should know what lies behind the shiny, happy service of every fast food transaction. They should know what really lurks between those sesame seed buns. As the old saying goes, you are what you eat. I'm not here to warn you, I'm really not, of the dangers of fast food. We're referring it tonight, just like Solomon did as an analogy to talk to you about your soul. Because your soul feasts on one of two banquets. One of two meals. At one of two tables. Wisdom's table. or Folly's fast food drive through Solomon said that wisdom offers uh, uh, mingled uh, wine and and slaughtered meat. Folly offers stolen water and bread eaten in secret. Folly's fast food restaurant I found in my life is open 24-7. It's easy to access. When everything else is closed, she seems to be open. It's managed by Satan himself. Its slogan is a lot like Burger King's. Have it your way. And it's been in business since Genesis chapter 3. Satan opened the very first forbidden fruit stand with Adam and Eve as his first customers. The idea caught on. Many other locations were opened like in Judges with young Samson. He liked to frequent Folly's fast food drive through Another location opened on David's rooftop. There was another one open in Babylon where only a few like Daniel and his three buddies refused to eat off of the menu. Solomon is writing to his son to warn him about the danger of Folly's fast food and Lady Folly's invitation to partake. And for your own good health tonight, you need to know why. Solomon starts by describing Lady Folly's character. Lady Folly's character is sketchy. Look at verse 13. A foolish woman is clamorous, she is simple, and knoweth nothing. Three sketch, or four sketchy character traits. He said she's foolish. What does that mean? Dull or obstinate. Not referring to like a mental deficiency, but to a propensity to just make wrong choices. He said she's clamorous. What does that mean? She demands attention loudly and insistently. She's boisterous and she's brash. Her character is simple. That means she's immature. It means she's gullible. It means she's vulnerable. It means she's impressionable. Not the kind of person I want to take counsel from. And he said she knows nothing. That doesn't mean, again, that she's mentally deficient. It means that she lacks moral understanding. She lives without good good sense. She doesn't connect the dots of her choices and the dot of her future and her consequences. She just knows nothing when it comes to life and how to live it. Those are some sketchy character traits. Now, what's Solomon's point to his son? He's trying to teach Rehoboam to look beyond the surface when trying to make a decision uh, regarding wisdom or folly. Because folly, like fast food, it will be convenient, and it'll be quick, and it'll be easy, and it'll be immediately gratifying in many ways. But before you make your order in her drive through you should do some investigation into her character. See, a lot of times when I'm traveling... I'll want to eat somewhere that, that liberal doesn't have. And, and that, that's really not, that's a, that's a lot of things, right? <laughs> and, and, and so a lot of times what I'll do is, is I'll Google what, what is in the area, and then I will, I'll go on an app called Yelp many times, or, or even Google has some reviews, and I'll read the reviews of the character of that restaurant. And, and, and past customers sometimes give it five stars or Sometimes give it three stars, or sometimes give it one star, and I read those reviews, and I almost instantly go to the negative reviews. And I want to see, do they have a cockroach in their salad? Was the service awful? Why didn't they like it? And my decision generally is, is based on how many stars that, that that restaurant has, especially if I've never heard of it. Well, well here's Solomon, and he's telling the son, I've eaten at both restaurants. I've dined at both tables, and I'm gonna give a review to Wisdom's table five stars. But I've gotta say that fast, Folly's fast foods table, her drive through, it's like one star. Son, she's sketchy. There's cockroaches in the fries. You don't want to mess with her meal, it'll be easy, it'll be cheaper. It'll be faster. It'll be more convenient, just like McDonald's. But it's sketchy. That's her character. He continues by saying this, Lady Folly's approach is crafty. Look at verse 14. For she sitteth at the door of her house on a seat in the high places of the city. What is he saying? She's crafty in how she positions herself to speak into your life. Did you know that a seat or a chair was a luxury in their day? That common people in this day often sat on the floor, at best on a bench or on a small stool. And the seat described here, as we're given in the last part of verse 14, it was a seat in the high place of the city. So, so, so it was speaking of one of position and honor. It was a place of teaching. And oftentimes I found out that when a, when a, when a teacher was raised to the position as a professor or, or as an accredited like, like rabbi of the day, he was presented with an actual chair. A chair was a symbol of his elevated status. You can even go to Matthew 23 and verse 2. It talks about the scribes and Pharisees sitting in Moses' seat. And, 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 and even talks about Paul learned at the feet of Meliel. And it talks about the fact that teachers are always elevated, and that's where Lady Folly has craftily positioned herself in our lives, as a teaching authority who demands our attention. How has she done that in 2020? What does that look like in our culture? Well, there's, the most obvious place to start is Hollywood. Every award show, it's the Grammys and the Oscars and Country Music Awards, and all the secular show, award shows feature artists who get up to receive their award. And instead of simply and humbly stating their gratitude to all of those that made it possible, those people seem to want to assume a position of leadership. They want to attempt to educate us on, on their beliefs... Whether that be something regarding politics or same-sex marriage or any other kind of anti-Bible rhetoric, it's as though Lady Folly works through these Hollywood actors and, and, and popular singers and she pulls up a chair and attempts to fill our minds and our children's minds with foolishness. Have you caught that? That's, wh- that's where Lady Folly, just with, with a lot of craftiness, has pulled up a chair. And then it has even gone into the world of sports. See, I grew up watching Michael Jordan. And and whenever he was interviewed, he wasn't talking about the president. He wasn't talking about the Supreme Court. He wasn't talking about abortion. He wasn't talking about, about our beliefs on marriage and sexuality. He was talking about the referees. And his lousy teammates. It was all business. Lady Folly wasn't choosing that avenue through which to teach me as a child back then. But he's using that avenue today. They, 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 they used their platform of social media to try to educate our kids on anti-Bible rhetoric. And we've got to be careful about that. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to try to meddle at all. I'm trying to show you how Lady Folly positions herself to speak into our life in 2020. And she does it so craftily that we, we miss it almost. And then I think you know the high place where she sits? Here's the highest place via media. Music, movies, reality TV, social media, and YouTube. She uses that, that outlet... Her her largest, tallest chair is through the outlet of media. And we have to be so careful. I know grown men, I'm talking about grown adult men, who were raised in a doctrinally sound church, started watching YouTube videos. and, And became indoctrinated with heresy. And now I'm, I'm talking doctrine, not just morally, I'm talking doctrinally. They believe some crazy, weird things. And, and, and I know it because they told me from their own mouth where it started YouTube University. If you don't think Lady Folly has a part in that, then you are blind. We have to be so careful because even the strongest of Christians if we indoctrinate ourselves with what Lady Folly is calling out to us with we will eventually be influenced by her message but her crafty approach it doesn't just stop with how she positions herself it continues with who she chooses to approach look at verse number 15 to call passengers who go right on their ways did you, did you get who she's calling? Passengers. What does that mean? Passerbys. Everyday people walking on the sidewalk. Driving down Main Street. Working at Walmart. Going to Fellowship Baptist Church on Sundays. And the fact that she calls out conveys the idea that those passing by are generally not on their way to live an moral life. They're just doing life. They're just passerbys. They're not wicked, wicked people. That's why you'll hear her victims say something like this I never planned to get pregnant outside of marriage. I never thought I'd be addicted to pain medication. I never dreamed I'd be out of church this long. They were just passing by, and they fell into sin. People just going about life. And here's another implication. She's crying out she has to cry out she has to call that means she has no power over you no influence in your life and no advantage in your life until you listen until you look until you bend your ear if she has to call it's not that you're always running to lady folly's table without an invitation you have to go open the mailbox read the letter and then go you're just doing life. You're passing by. So here's the truth. Don't listen. Don't even bend your ear. Don't even go to the website. Don't even watch the video. Don't watch that movie. Don't listen to that song. Whatever platform through which she is speaking into your life, get it out of your life. And be careful because Lady Folly likes to call out to passerbys when they're most vulnerable. Yeah, ask Esau. He went out all day to hunt. The Bible said he was weary. He was faint. He was starving. Hunting was a lot harder than it is today. And he came back and he was physically and emotionally and mentally vulnerable. And that's when Jacob, slimy, deceitful, manipulative Jacob, said, Hey, you hungry? I've got a bowl of beans, your favorite recipe, big brother. Oh, awesome, I'll take those. Okay, give me your birthright first. And there wasn't even a dialogue. Okay, here's my birthright. Do you know what a birthright was? Chris, you know what that was? It was a lot more valuable than beans. I know you like beans, (laughs) but it was a lot more valuable than beans. You know how I know that? Because it was reserved for the elder brother. He would have got two-thirds of his father's inheritance. He would have became the spiritual leader of his home upon his father's death. And he would have been naturally in the line of the coming Messiah. And he gave that privilege up for a bowl of beans. Because Jacob called out to him at a time in which he was most vulnerable. And be careful when you're emotionally taxed and physically tired and stressed out to the max. When your marriage isn't going like you want it to go. When your kids aren't acting like you want them to act. When the bank account is as full as you want it to be. When you get passed up for a promotion and you're frustrated and life's just not going well. That's when Lady Folly will call out as you're passing by. And that's when you're most vulnerable to bend your ear. Yeah. Solomon says, son, be careful of her character. It's sketchy. Be careful of her approach. It's crafty. He closes the last couple of verses with this Be careful of her offer. It's dishonest. Look at verse 16. Who so is simple, let him turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Look up here. She was dishonest in two ways. Here's the first she made it sound like no one will ever know. Did you see what she said in verse 16? Rather, verse 17? Stolen waters. Then she said, bread eaten in secret. Her dishonesty begins with an appeal to our sin nature. Here's the truth. The idea of getting away with something appeals to our sinful nature. There's something about our fallen nature that is drawn to temptation that we think we can get away with. I was talking to Kurt and Brenda Deaton at the Resource Center last week, and they had the great privilege of babysitting their grandboys, Blaine and Blake. If you've ever paid any close attention to Blake, that dude's ornery. You just look at him, there's just like something going on in his head. It's a lot like Tyson. And Kurt was telling me that, that I think Brenda had to, had to spank or thump or do something, I don't know, that made Blake cry because... Because Blake was going to go touch something, and and Brenda said, Blake, don't touch that. And they went touch it again, and she said, don't touch that. And then she walked away, and when she turned around, he was touching that. That, whatever that was, was appealing to his sinful nature, because he thought in his little brain that when my grandma turns around, I'm going to get away with it. And that's on an elementary level, but that is how Lady Folly calls out to us. She knows we are programmed to be tempted most by the things we think we can get away with. And that's her offer. But here's why that's a dishonest offer. Because Luke 12 says, For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which you have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetop. Jesus said, our, our psalmist said, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere beholding the evil and the good. Would you hear me tonight? This is so serious. Your parents may not see it, and your spouse may not see it, and your kids may not see it, and your pastor may not know about it, and your boss may never find out, and your teacher may never catch you, and the police may never suspect anything. But there is a God in heaven that sees and hears and knows everything we say and do. That's the part, Lady Folly won't tell you. And that's why Solomon says three or four times in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Not the fear of getting caught. The fear of the Lord. What's going to keep you from accepting Lady Folly's invitation, even when you know there's no way you'll be found out, is when you fear the Lord. That's what leads to making a wise choice, even when making a foolish choice wouldn't hurt you in the moment. When you deeply reverence what God thinks about you, how God sees you in your relationship with him. And then she gets even more dishonest in the latter part of the text because she only tells half the truth. You told your kids this, right, that a half-truth is a full lie? And it's so true. Look at verse 17 again. She said, stolen waters are, what's the next word? And bread eaten in secret is what? But watch this. Here's what she doesn't tell. But he knoweth not that the dead are there. And that her guests are in the depths of hell. Here's what she's honest about. The pleasure of sin. At least she's honest about it. It feels good. It's sweet. It's exciting. She's not honest about the consequences of sin. Death. Misery shame and regret not to mention loss she only shows you the highlight reel not the the behind-the-scenes footage that's the same thing the alcohol commercial show by the way just the highlight reel just the pretty girls on the beach Just the guys in the hot tub, watching the game, hanging with their buddies. That's all they show. They don't show the the rehabilitation centers. They don't show the broken marriages. They don't show the holes in the wall. They don't show the puking in the toilet. They don't show the empty soul sitting in a bar, longing for satisfaction in a glass. Lady Folly doesn't show that. She only shows half the truth. Young people, listen closely. She only shows you the fun part of pornography. The fun part of the sexual relationship. It's your body. You love them. So do what your body tells you to do. And it is sweet, and it is pleasant, and it is exciting. But she doesn't show you. She does not show you. How that follows you in the marriage. She doesn't show you what it does to your brain over a long period of time. I, I could go on and on and on. But Lady Folly's a liar. Absolute liar. Went to the doctor... Uh, maybe six months ago, eight months ago, I need to go back. Because uh, some things going on with my vertigo and I had to get some blood drawn. And Anyway, he came in and told me, hey, your cholesterol is not doing well. And he said, you know, the same doctor my mom and dad, so I'm blaming it on them. I think it's purely genetic. <laughs> it's actually fast food. But... Um, he, he began to explain to me you know, things I, I need to stop eating red meat and um, <laughs> Karen. You're going to die happy, girl. It's all right.) And uh, he said, "You need to try to eat more fish." And I said, "Doc, I eat a lot of fish." I said, I, "Every time I go to subway, I get a tuna sandwich." <laughs> I, I'm ser- I, I was actually serious. And he started laughing. And he said, do you understand what they have to do to make that tuna taste good? That ain't real fish. I mean, like it's real fish, but, it, but it's basically fake once the time it gets to the, you know, to the sandwich. And I mean, just totally discouraged me because I thought I was picking wise when I went to Subway. And he went on to tell me, he said, you got to be careful with fast food because um, a lot of them now are disguising unhealthy food and ingredients with low caloric intake. And so you'll look on there and you'll feel really good because, you know, that particular burger is under 500 calories. Or that sandwich is under this amount of calories. And, and, and most of the diet plans today don't really care about nutrition, they care only about caloric intake. Right? And, and so he said you got to be really careful because you'll go to fast food restaurants and you'll think you're eating healthy because you stayed under 750 calories. But he said you didn't even think about what ingredients are going into those calories. He said, it is so overprocessed and fake that the reason your cholesterol is like it is is because you eat too much fake food. You've got to stop eating fast food. Well, how do I do it? He, he told me, you gotta eat half of what you eat now. So I'm working on it. Lost 15 pounds. I need to go back and see if my cholesterol is down. If it hasn't changed a bit, Tanner, I'm done going to the gym. It's from my parents. I'm, I'm done. We're just gonna, I'm done. I'm going to accept the dad bod and go on with the rest of my life. In all truth, he speaks into a very serious thing spiritually. Because Lady Folly will almost do what McDonald's does and make you feel like you're eating healthy. And she won't tell you the other part of the story. She'll tell you that sex outside of marriage is sweet, low calories. But she won't tell you how it hurts your intimacy with your spouse once you actually get married. She'll tell you that porn's okay because it's not actually having sex, but she won't tell you how it'll program your mind to objectify women. She'll tell you that lying to your parents is no big deal, but she won't tell you that what you're actually doing is building a habit that will follow you into adulthood. She'll tell you that one more purchase on the credit card will be okay. She won't tell you about all the stress that debt will cause you. She'll tell you, don't be so hard on your kids, they're going to hate you. She won't tell you the heartache and pressure you'll experience when your child grows into an entitled, selfish, and irresponsible adult. She'll tell you... Lose your temper, it's okay. Let them know how you really feel. But she won't tell you how embarrassed you get when you lose your testimony because of it. Low calories, low calories. It's a diet Coke. It's only half the truth. And if you aren't careful, you will order off her menu every day and you will eat yourself to death. I want to remind you of the quote that I gave and I'll be done. Hundreds of millions of people buy fast food every day without giving it much thought. Unaware of the subtle and not so subtle ramifications of their purchases. They rarely consider where this food came from, how it was made, what it's doing to the community around them. They just grab their tray off the counter, find a table, take a seat, unwrap the paper and dig in. The whole experience is transitory and soon forgotten. I've written this book out of a belief that people should know what lies behind the shiny, happy surface of every fast food transaction. They should know what really lurks between those sesame seed buns. Because as the old saying goes, you are what you eat. And Proverbs 9 taught us that that is so true. If you eat at wisdom's table, you'll experience life. If you eat at folly's table, you'll experience death. You are what you eat. So eat well. Stand to your feet, every head bowed and every eye closed.